Good evening, good evening, good evening, my people. Welcome to ADQ's Renaissance. I am your host with the most looking better, looking tastier than some early morning toast. ADQ. Today, today, my people, this beautiful Friday evening, we have with us a queen. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy that her last name is West because I met her over in the East. You know what I'm saying? Not the Far East, but the Far, but the Far East in terms of you know the East Coast. You know what I'm saying? Now normally I like, now normally I like to get into the word, but I will tell you this because I do not have a Bible near me like like the bad 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 heathen that I am. Uh, but I do think of a scripture when I think about my friend here. I think about the scripture where God says, I am with you. Be not afraid for I am with you. But when I was in New York, right? 2018. I was walking around. I was um, I was sleep deprivated. I was tired. I was feeling, I was like mad because um, I had just screwed up an audition and um, my um, cousin refused to like help me out, right? And she was right there in Jamaica, Queens. That's how I know this inspirational thing happened at the audition. I meet this young lady and she said, it's like, hey, I'm Adrian. Hey, I'm, hey, I'm Tiana. And she said, and we're like, oh, sad. we're both from North Carolina. How often do you find a fellow North Carolinian in the Big Apple, right? And then we went, and then we, you know, hung out a little bit, talked and stuff. She treated me to coffee. So I'm like, yo, shout out to her. Um, I'm like, yo, we need to do, we need to work. All right. Yo, what's Hi. up with you people? It's out. <laughs> hey, Tiana. Yo, you know, it's it's one of the things. Stuff happens. Drop uh, axes happen. Stuff. It's all good. So, yo, let me stop running my dag on mouth and go ahead and introduce our guest, representing the representing the nine one nine, not Rob, not Rowley, but Riley. Miss Tiana, Mrs. Tiana Alisa West, how you doing, Queen? I'm awesome. How are you? I am blessed, black, and highly favored. It has been a bit of a testy evening thus far, but you know what, guys, still great. And you know, um, every single every single second that we live on this earth is a less is a less is a blessing and a lesson for someone. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> So, yo, first of all, I I thank you. Uh, I thank you then, see, uh, for that coffee. Thank you so much for that coffee. Well, you're welcome. You just don't know how much that coffee meant because I was sleep deprivated. I have not, I have not had not an ounce of sleep in like a day, two days, up until that point, right? Up to that point, I have flown. I have flown to New York from North Carolina. I spent the entire night looking for a hotel. I, w- I basically spent the night in the LaGuardia Airport, and I was about to go home. 
until I met David and Tamla Mann. And then get to the get to the audition that we were at for Universal Studios Japan. Um, I'm like, yo, I know I'm gonna screw. I was like, I know I'm gonna screw this up, but I just went, I just went for it. And I met you, and it's just something about when you meet a fellow North Carolinian at a place that's far from North Carolina, it just raises your spirits. Is it just me, or did you feel that way too? I mean, it's always good to meet hometown folk. It is, it is. So, Tiana, you're an actress, a professional actress at that. Where, uh, uh, where, where, where is your career begin? Um, well, I come from a long line of musicians um, and artists. I've been singing since I was about maybe four, and I was really fortunate to attend um, performing arts elementary, middle, and part of high school. So I got a lot of uh, training when I was really young. So it's kind of like you were born for this. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's like God like took you and set you to the side and said, yo, no, she is not going to build anything. She ain't going to play no sports. She may she will own she may own a Fortune 500 company, but everything she's gonna do is gonna be arts based. Would you say that? I mean, yeah, yes, I would say that. So at what point did you but a lot of us sleep on our dreams, unfortunately. At what point did you uh, say, you know what, I'm gonna make it go with this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this happen. Um, I don't know. It's just my first like full sentence was, "Mommy, I want to be a singer" when I was a kid. So this has always been something that I knew I was going to do, and there wasn't any like I never had any other options. This I didn't have a plan B. This was the goal from like the get go. So since I could oh. go for it, I've been going for it. So, mommy, I want to sing. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> when I was born, I probably said, "Mommy, I want to rap and try and battle rap one the battle rap the doctor that spanked me." <laughs> but so you can sing. Mm-hmm. You're an actress, singer and an actress, so I assume that you have done your fair share of musicals, right? Yeah. Uh, what which musicals have you done? Oh, child, that's a loaded question. Um, The last musical that I did before the pandemic started was Shrek the Musical down at uh, Cape Fear Regional Theater in Fayetteville. Um, I have been in Rent. I did, uh, I've done lots of musicals. I was uh, Dolores Van Cartier in Sister Act here in Raleigh. Um, I've done... Uh, the whole lot. I can't think of a bunch off the top of my head, but it's been oh. a whole lot. So you said rent. I'm going to assume I wanted to make a guess a guess slash assumption as to who you portrayed. Okay, go ahead. Joanne. Yes, I was Joanne. You was Joanne! Yeah, Woo! that was actually my dream role, to play Joanne in Rent. It was really fun. That, yo, oh my god. If that wasn't that if if Joanne and me and Maureen do not sing the best breakup song ever. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I wanted to sing that to every single girlfriend who I ever broke up with. Oh my goodness. 
But I, and I imagine that was a dope experience because rent just straight take you, just straight takes you places. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great show. So, so I assume, so I would, so one would, so one would assume that um, you would, you would jump all over a quote unquote straight play, which for though for for you uh, non theater people out there, that is a play that is just straight up acting. No yeah. music, no music, no singing, just acting. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking that you would... So what? No, go ahead. Uh, so I'm thinking that you would jump on a straight play, but where you kick your feet up at is in musical theater. Um, I think when I was younger, um, musical theater was like the only thing I wanted to do. But as I have gotten older, I really, I really love a good dramatic play. I love to emote and just really, really feel and all that so straight plays are awesome i enjoy those as well i'm not really too picky anymore about you know which one i would want to do one versus i imagine that when i imagine that when this pandemic is over you're not you like every other thespian out here we all want to just jump right into theater be like where's where's all this at i don't care where what what is it and then just be like as soon as we can, yeah, as soon as we can, we are all, we all want to go back to work. So we're all, you know, ready to hit the pavement with auditioning and stuff. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, so, um, what is like one of your most defining roles that, what, what role did you, did you do that made you say, oh, now, dang, I got skills, skills. Like, like, you good, but I am great. What role made you say that about yourself? Um, I don't think I have a role that made me say, wow, I'm just really amazing. Um, I feel great every time I'm on stage, whether it be a lead role or an ensemble role. And I know that there's always room for growth. So I try to... I really try to remain humble in, in all of the things that I do on stage. But um, when I played Dolores in Sister Act, I was like, if I can book this role, then I know that like they that I'm doing something right. And I ended up booking it. So that was fun. But I never I never look at myself like dang girl, you are like, I mean, I know that I'm good and I'm real good, but I don't. I don't know. I just kind of. I know that there's always room to growth. I feel. I feel like whenever I do a role, I'm like super the most critical of myself. So I'm always looking at what could be better. Well, yeah, I'm talking about like in terms of boosting your confidence. Cause the role that did that for me was playing Asagai in A Raising in the Sun. Ooh, that's a good and role. Was knowing how I was able to successfully pull off. An African accent that made me say, "Oh snap, maybe I am pretty good at this." You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's good. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that would be um, when I played Dolores and Sister Act. I was just like, "Wow," because that, that a lot of those songs were pretty high <laughs> and uh, difficult. So, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so next question. Next question. Have you ever seen yourself writing, uh, writing like a play, writing anything? Um, I have 
thought about it. So maybe in the future, not, I haven't uh, been inspired to do that as of now, but maybe, maybe in the future. Okay. I was wondering because I know me, myself, I get so, I get like so creative and inspired by great actresses like yourself and great actors that I know that I'm like, yo, what world can I create where this person's doing this, that person's doing that, and that person's doing that? Like you mentioned Rent and one thing, you know, Larson, Jonathan Lar uh Jonathan Larson is a straight up genius. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I have not heard all of the uh, musical where he was talking about I'm 30. Oh, um, Tick, Tick, Boom. Oh, Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. Oh, so the I'm 30 rant is uh, in Tick, Tick, Boom. No, um, you talking about 3090, the song? No, where he's like tripping about being 30. Yeah, that okay, so that was you talking about in the documentary that was with the rent DVD. Like when you the rent movie, that's not, it's not in rent, but um he was writing that I think around the same time. But that's part of Take Take Boom. Well, okay, okay. See, I think that's very relative because I know that when I was I know that the further I get into my thirties, I start I be tripping a lot, but then I had to remind myself no, man, you're still young. You're still young. Yeah. So, so, um, so, what have you been doing with your artistic uh, energies and whatnot and aspirations during this whole pandemic? Um, well, I've been trying to, uh, well, I have three children, so I have been homeschooling them, and that has been taking up the most of my time. So, I've been trying to do creative things with them um, teaching them music and how to read music and teaching them how to play instruments and, and stuff like that but most of my time is spent on my kids now since we're all in the house together all day <laughs> man well shoot there's a production right there call it musical mommy <laughs> um well that's well that's what's up you know one thing that one thing that is on my to-do list is me and you we gotta work together oh. it's just yeah yeah, yeah. i want i want to work with you one day because when we were in nyc just the energy and stuff sometimes when i am sometimes when i conversate with fellow artists i could tell based off of their energy rather than that i could work with them you know what i'm saying oh, yeah you ever, you ever, yeah and like I could tell off your energy, it's like it's like your energy and your um artistic artistic ability is like light years ahead of where I'm at. And I'm like, oh Sam, yo, let me let me let me let me kick some fire up on my behind <laughs> and anybody who I anybody who I perform with, I want to with people who make me think that way does that make yeah, sense yeah absolutely you i feel like artists we all like inspire and encourage each other when we get around each other so yeah i feel that yeah and i was like man she's inspiring me she's buying me coffee shout out <laughs> to her 
So, what do you think will be the first thing that you do when this pan when this pandemic is over? I, I know we're going. I know. We're, I know we're not. We're not going into the kiddie pool of theater. We're going into the six. We're going into the, like the twelve feet pool of theater. Yeah, I don't know. I've just, um, in terms of work, whatever my agent sends my way, and I'm just gonna try to keep, uh, just hit the ground running, and just try to, you know, get back to work as much as I can. Now, tell me this: for our listeners who are all uh, want to be professional actors, and they feel and they are trying having trouble finding their way out of North Carolina. What would be your advice to them? Um, keep in mind that uh, there's a way to do whatever you want. There's a way to make anything happen. But the first thing I think is to be focused and to learn your craft. So don't be so quick to leave out of North Carolina or like leave whatever you are, wherever you are. Look for the resources where you are because there are resources out there um i got my start right in my city doing um, community theater and i felt like that was a great training ground for me and then i started you know developing my craft and working with teachers and getting lessons and then i started booking professional stuff that was outside of outside of my um, state so i mean don't necessarily be so quick to run out into the city because in new york or whatever have you, because a lot of times we don't prepare ourselves for that. And that's a very crazy game. So I would suggest, you know, starting right where you are, finding resources right where you are and just start developing your craft. Now, now please speak to the community theater scene because a lot of people look down on theater, on community theater. Me personally, I think that you get from community theater like <clears throat> like 90% of what you would get from collegiate theater minus the minus the degree in college credits. Would you agree with me? Um, I don't know. I can't really speak to collegiate theater because my degree was in music, so I didn't study uh, musical theater in college. So I don't really, I can't speak to that experience. But the one thing that I will say is that community theater is awesome because it's a great training ground. It's a, it's a community. It's a space where you can learn. You can learn any aspect of theater, whether you want to be on stage, whether you want to be behind the scenes, like it's a space to learn. So I don't think, I, I think there's nothing wrong with community theater. It's a great place to start, you know, developing that craft. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And uh, if y'all don't believe me when I say that, believe her. Believe her. Shep, <laughs> right there. Right here. Who has probably rubbed elbows with some really big names. Like, who is, like, the most famous actor you have worked the with? The most famous actor I've ever worked with? Oh, my gosh. I... The... Mm, I think the most... Well, here's a funny story. I was doing a play with six-time Grammy-nominated jazz vocalist Nina Freeline. It was a play that she wrote and I was playing opposite her and the woman who took over as a director was actually Marlies Yearby who was the original choreographer from Rent. So wow. she was um, she knew Jonathan Larson and she's 
she's still a part of the um, national tour of Rent because she's like the choreographer. So um, I had a chance to work with her a little bit and that was really cool. Wow. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, ooh, man. The original choreographer of Rent. Like you did a production of Rent but then you went into the uh, event, but then you worked with the original choreographer. Yeah. That is dope. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. And I was just like, and I was just like to say, it is my dream to do rent myself, but let me be really particular. I'm really particular about what I want to do. I want to be the butthole, the sellout. I want to be big. <laughs> cool. Shout out to the call. Shout out to whoever plays the college role, but nah, I don't want to do that. Benny, that's the role that I want. Benny. Cool. Um, I doubt that anyone will let me play a, a, a Jewish kid or a, a introverted uh, rock star. So yeah. Benny. <laughs> um. So. So uh, I know you're limited on time. Hopefully, hopefully we can get you in again. Yo, I'm thinking it would be like dope if. I got you and other musical theater friends to like share musical theater experiences. Oh yeah, kind of like in a round. That'd like, be cool. Yeah, let me see if I let me see if I can set that up because I see your rent, I see your Shrek, and I got for you Annie. I got Annie. Get your gun, damn Yankees, Susical, <laughs> um, um, Barnum, other stuff. Cool. Work. I think working is one of my favorite musicals. Because that was my first daggone solo. Oh, brother cool. trucker, Woo. brother trucker, man, that that stretched me. So yes, we need to like see. Yeah, I want to see if I could get some more musical theater friends, and we come back here and you know just chop it up about experiences. Cool. Um, but for the before the hearing before the hearing now, if people wanted to contact you and be like, hey, Tiana, hey. I know a dimension you can get into forget the pandemic you come over here and sing with us or just tell you or just anybody who might have seen you and want to tell you how dope you are how can people get in contact with? um you can visit my website it's my name tianawest.com um, i'm on instagram and twitter also it's all the same okay great and uh coming up next our next interview will be with the homie Anderson Hughes. Uh, Tiana, I look forward to talking to you again. But until then, I want you to know. I want you to know, sister, you are you are a very valued, a very needed, and a very necessary member of the Renaissance because you are putting great, great, great art out there. And I hope that anyone um any uh black actress on the ch on the chilling circuit would look at you or look at someone like you and decide to stretch themselves awesome thank you i appreciate you saying that oh yes ma'am absolutely i look forward to talking to all you right. again ma'am all right have a one you have are, a good one too. Bye bye Yo, 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 good evening, my people. Welcome back to ADQ's Renaissance. Again, it's your boy, ADQ. And I have a great guest with me. Great guest. 
get ready to fall out laughing, yo. But before we get started, now I got a scripture for y'all. And this is why laughter is important in these times. It comes from Genesis chapter 21, verse 6. No, not verse 6. It is not verse 6. I ain't tripping very much. <clears throat> it is, but we'll go ahead and read that. It says, the child grew and was weaned. You know what? It's Genesis. It is Genesis 21 and 6. I'm tripping, y'all. It's been a crazy day. Sarah said, God has made me laugh. And everyone who hears will laugh with me. Laughter is very good for the soul. Very good. It is very integral to one's existence. If we did not laugh sometimes, we would be walking around living melancholy and solemn existences. And I believe that laughter is the reason why God put my man Big Los, who we interviewed on Sunday, and my man right here on this earth. In the midst of that laughing, laughing let me tell you what God has um, empowered this young man to do. This young man has been able to look into a piece of society that is largely ignored and give a voice to them. Who is that piece of society? That piece of society are guys, right? Guys who want a girl, but want a certain girl, but that girl is already taken. She is spoken for, but for whatever reason, that girl decides to step out. So what does that, so where does this guy come in? He's a side dude. Side dudes, believe it or not, are people too. They have feelings, they are living organisms also, just like you and me. And this man has given them a story. Ladies and gentlemen, this man's going to talk about that story in depth. Please welcome to the Renaissance, ADQ's Renaissance, my man, Mr. Amson Hughes. Amson, what up, brother? What up, man? How you doing? I am blessed, black, and highly favored. How about yourself? I'm good, brother. I can't complain, man. Just trying to stay safe. Glad you are. Hope everything is good to go in. Well, you know, man, I've been walking around here. I had the mask. I had my mask on. And, uh, you know, while I was at work, I had the mask on. A whole bunch of police officers were uh, slot, were bicycling past me. You know what I'm saying? And they were looking at me and my coworker as we were, as we were like standing there talking to each other, right? Right. So, I don't know. Maybe they were looking at us like uh, some gang stuff was going on. You know what part of town we were on? I think we good though. I think everybody wearing them now. I, th I, th I know in the beginning, black people was a little skeptical about wearing masks because we didn't know how the police is gonna feel about that. We just want to make sure they got the memo first. I think we straight now. I think they know everybody's supposed to be wearing them now. Okay, all right, cause you know, can be, man. I can't, I can't go to jail, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I can't afford to go, go to jail. I, I ain't got my stimulus check here. That's called post traumatic stress disorder, right there. So we so we so. We so used to being being uh, being profiled that when there's a logical reason for us to do something that's supposed to be for our health, we still a little skeptical because we like, nah, I don't know though, bro. Like, do the police know? <laughs> do the police know this a this a pandemic? If they do, then I put the man. When I I didn't feel cool about it until I was in the grocery store 
and I seen somebody else black wear for, uh, a mask in front of the police, and then I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. So they know. I bet. So they know. Yeah, I feel comfortable now. All right, so yo. Yeah. Oh, what, what was you about to say? My bad. No, that was it. Oh, so, so tell me this. I remember when we first met. Yo, it was at RL. Shout out to RL. Happy birthday to him. Um, it was at RL's Bolt. Uh, it was like it was at a Bolt uh, session, right? Oh yeah, and yeah. There speaking true, speaking power, speaking some gems to those young men. And oh, at yeah. that time, I had no idea that you were. I had no idea that you were a comedian and an actor. Where did it all start for you? Well. Um, honestly, like, I think it was something that was always something that I always wanted to do and something that I was just naturally good at, like, making people laugh, but nobody, like, I, didn't, I don't know, I don't know, I, I guess it was just growing up, I didn't really see it as something that you could, as a career, it was something that you could do, so I didn't take it serious for a long time, um, but when you, when you just, you know, really, you know, like doing something, Eventually, you know, you ain't you gonna you gonna gravitate to it, and that's you know just kind of how the comedy thing came. One of my partners that I worked with, he started doing it first, and then he put me on one of his shows and was just like, "Man, I'm gonna put you on the fly, and you just got to do five minutes. If you don't like it after that, I won't ever ask you to do it no more." So I did five minutes, and I liked it. I was like, "Okay, I like I like that that rush from like just being able to you know make people laugh." So. After that, it was the rap, and that was probably like six years ago. Mm. Yo, you know, um, you know, one would look at my path. You know, I'm a theater, I'm a theater, I'm an actor, mostly a theater actor, right? Yeah, great and actor. One, so what? A great actor, that too. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, so uh, one would look at that. And one would look at your path and it's like, oh, it's completely different. No, it's not. It really isn't. Because believe it or not, in theater, just like in comic, just like in stand-up comedy, we both feed off the energy of the audience, correct? Absolutely. That's why um I, I guess you know that's why, you know, stand, doing stand-up and doing theater, like to me, like I I I love doing both of them because I, like I, I definitely in both of them you definitely feed off the energy of the audience and um one day i would love to do film you know and you know or television um but there's something different about live performance you know and being able to perform in front of somebody in person and on stage and being able to see their facial expressions and especially from the perspective of a writer i'm sure you can you know attest to that like you know it's a beautiful feeling when you write something and you know what's coming because you wrote it and you watching the people's reaction to the story and you just like oh they oh they they bite they love they like it and they love it you know so it's definitely you know it's definitely a um a kinship between the two art forms oh yeah like um real quick i'll tell you this so like I'm, like I'm, like I always uh, mention on almost every episode, I wrote and produced and put and directed and acted in the play called Time. Right, uh, put it up last year, and um, people who have wrote watched it, especially those who are in attendance, in attendance, have, there were people who have told me that 
they wanted to go inside my head. I was being a jerk. They wanted to get me because of how I was acting that. I was like, yes, yes, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted as a writer and a director. Yes. Yeah. So when you do what you want, oh yeah. Yeah, that's the goal. Especially when you write something like, you know, when you write, anytime you're writing a story, you're telling a story, you got a, you got a climax, you have a dilemma and all those things. So within all of that, thing, all those things that happen within the storyline, you're writing different, you know, uh, different scenes. And when you're writing them, you're like, oh, I want them, I want the audience to be surprised when this happening. So when you get to the point when you're actually performing that piece of your um, of your play or whatever, your production, and you hear the audience react the way you wanted them to, and you hear the ooh, you hear the, oh, you know, you hear the oh, it makes mm-hmm. that's that's a beautiful feeling. Yes, it is. Yes, sir. Yes, it is. So, so tell me this. Um, one thing that you know, uh, years ago, Big Lows, shout out to Big Lows. Yes, sir. He he recommended that I give that I give stand up a try. I've done it twice, and I don't know. I don't know if it's my thing. I know I know I wouldn't go into it heavy like you or him or or Corey Jones or anyone. But what I do know is what what I do know is one thing that has stopped me from doing that in the past was the thought of going on stage, not being funny at all, and just straight up bombing. Has that ever happened to you? Hell yeah. Yeah, it's a part of the game. I mean, I mean, I've heard cats say, "Yeah," I heard, I've heard cats tell stories. And say, "Man, yeah, I've been doing comedy for X amount of years, and I ain't never bombed." I mean, hey, I, I mean, if if, if it happened for people like that, then God bless them. You know, that's what's up. But most comics I know have had a night like that, especially in the beginning, because you don't know what the hell you're doing. You're not supposed. It's just like, it's just like if you go tomorrow and you say you know what you wake up in the morning you say you know what man i want to play baseball and you literally go to the atlanta braves and you just ask for a job and they give it to you and they say fuck it you're a baseball player now like are you gonna be surprised when you strike out the first game every at bat you should be yeah i mean like bro you just started like you i mean like you ain't been swinging. You ain't been. You ain't been swinging at 93 miles per hour fastball. You just woke up this morning and decided to do it. So it's like a, it's a part of the game. It's going, you know. But it makes you better if you really want to get better. Because I remember my second time doing stand up. My first time I did five minutes and I, I really I did pretty well, you know. And there was a guy there who asked me to come perform at his at his open mic that following week and so i was like yeah so in between that time which was about six days i didn't practice i mean i didn't try to work on my craft or anything because i felt like i had i felt like i was a natural like i did it the first time and i killed so what i need to practice for you know never mind the fact never mind the fact that i practiced for a month just to do that five minutes that i did you know what i'm saying my head got big that fast you know what i'm saying like oh i got this you know so that day came, the night came up, I think it was like on a Thursday night or something, and I went there, man, and I bombed so bad, man, like, I had a joke about, I had a joke about interracial sex, and I thought it was gonna be good, and it wasn't, <laughs> and it was like, it was like two interracial couples in the front row, and they were just not amused at all, and I, <laughs> And so I bombed so bad, man, when I finished, I walked off, 
I got off stage, I had put my jacket on the back of a chair that was on, that was, you know, one of the tables, you know, right there, you know, in the little seating, sitting area. I got off stage, I, got, I, I gave the mic back, got off stage, walked off stage, went, grabbed my jacket, I didn't even stop. Grabbed my jacket, walked right out and went home. Man, yo, I was got on stage to rap and forgot all my lyrics, and I have not perfect, and I and I wasn't that apt in the art of freestyling or improv at the time. So yeah, yeah, it's a horrible thing. Um, so tell me this, tell me this. When was like your absolute best night? See, I feel like, you know, when we look at when we look at the daggone, when we look at uh, you know, the comedians that we look up to. Um, Eddie Murphy would probably say that his best ever comedy special was Delirious. No, Raw, Raw. I think Raw was a little bit better than Delirious. Mm -hmm. um, Bernie Mac would probably say, you know, the Kings of Comedy uh, was probably like the highlight of his, com of his comedic career. Um, Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart, what was I about, to, where was I getting to? Kevin Hart would probably say, um, um, laughing, no, not laughing my pain. The one that he did at Madison Square Garden, I forgot the name of it. The one he did at Madison Square Garden was probably the best because the man was so thankful that he got to that point in his career that he just broke, that he just started crying and he was like, got a little emotional. So I ask you this, when do you feel like you had a show, all faces were on, everything was all, all the stars aligned perfectly all eyes were dotted all t's were crossed you just completely killed it oh man shit uh if we're talking about if, if i'm talking about like you're talking about performance wise like i killed it but like like when was my best night as far as like i did like i performed well and like the night like as far as you know what i mean like how do you mean i mean like you went, I mean, like a night when you had a performance, when you knew, when you just walked in knowing that it is going to be like a really dope performance. It's going to be a really great night. And was. All right, I got you. So um, I, was, I entered this contest in Charlotte for a, a con, for a opportunity to, what was it? It was, at the time, it was a television show pilot. They were trying to shoot a pilot for a television show that they were going to be uh, shopping to some of the um, second-tier networks like Bounce TV, True TV, um, and basically it was going to be hosted by DC Young Fly. So, at the time, DC was really just starting to make a name for himself on, on, on Wildin' Out. And so, they were trying to give him a... Um, the idea was that he would be the host of this new show and basically it would be like a new version of Comic View, like where people would have an opportunity to come up, you do stand-up, then after you do stand-up, you get judged on your stand-up like American Idol and it would be like DC Young Fly and like a couple of his, um, you know, his homies like helping the judge or whatever. That was going to be the show. So it was like two rounds of competition just to just to make it to the finals which was at the comedy zone so i made it to the finals and um so i was going to the comedy zone and um they're like all right it's gonna be a big night dc young fly gonna be here 
you know, it's gonna be a lot of, you know, a lot of cats here. You know, it's gonna, you know, just cause DC gonna be there, they gonna sell it out. But I don't know, have, I don't know if you ever been to the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, but but it uh-uh. seats about four hundred and forty people in there when it's sold out. So we like that shit was sold out the night of the like the night of the, of the uh, final competition, you know. So I'm like super focused. I'm like dialed in, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I got my, you know, I got, I'm in Charlotte, so I got my, my purple and teal colors. I had some, some Sakon, some Sakonis that I had just bought. They went with my, my uh, Charlotte Hornets fitted. I'm like, you know, with my uh, Charlotte Hornets snapback, so I'm ready, you know what I'm saying? I'm fresh as hell, so I'm like, all right, let's go. And um, so we draw names to figure out the order. Then the order, so come to find out, you know, I'm like, I'm like third, I think. So, so I'm like, okay, cool. The first guy that goes up, man, when I tell you, I didn't know. See, they told us that it was going to be a competition. And they also told us that DC and them was going to be judging us. But they didn't say, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't tell me, like, really, like, how they was going to be. Like, they didn't tell us, like, they're going to be roasting us, ADQ. Like, you know what I'm saying? They didn't tell us that, bro. They, they just they just told us they was going to judge us. It was roasting y'all. So I'm like, yeah. Um, all right, cool. So I'm like, so dude, dude, go first, and like they roasted the hell out of this dude, man. Like I'm like, like I know he, I mean he bombed, he wasn't good, but like they tore him up, bro. Like tore him up, bro. And like I'm sitting, the rest of the comedians, we in the back watching all of it. We like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, that's what they gonna do if we bomb, you know? And no, and mind you, the audience was thirsty to like, to to kind of like, to kind of like do you in too, because the audience they they know that if they don't laugh, that DC and them gonna roast you after the first guy. It's like y'all going to the right, after thing. the first guy, the audience like, oh snap! So anybody who ain't funny, we just not gonna laugh at them. And then when it's time for them to get judged, we can, then we definitely gonna laugh because DC and them gonna roast. So I'm like, oh hell no! I'm like, bro, I can't go out. Like, I had like maybe like eight, nine of my peoples that had came to support. So I'm like, whatever. Bro. I'm in the back, like totally like, in my zone, like getting focused, whatever. So it, my turn come up, and I think I was like third or fourth. And man, when I tell you, I lit their ass up, man. Like I like it, I gave I gave them ten minutes, but it was not it was not a second of dead air in that ten minutes. The whole ten minutes I was up there, I was giving them that work. And when it was time for me to get judged, I knew like this ain't me being cocky, but I'm it's just me telling you how it went. Anybody that was there will tell you the same thing, like. When it was time for me to be judged, Coco Fresh was um, comedian Coco Fresh. Shout out to Coco Fresh. She was the judge. I mean, she was the host that night. So she, you know, she was coming back on stage. She was trying to get DC and the other judges' opinion. She had to wait for the crowd to stop clapping and laughing before she could start. So by the time 
the first judge really had had you know came to say is that it wasn't really nothing nobody could say like my work had already spoken for itself like you could like before you could even say anything to judge me y'all had to wait for the people the people the audience you had to wait for the audience to chill out because i had i had already like done what i came to do that was like a beautiful a beautiful damn night because when it came time for DC to judge me, Duke Bruss said, man, ain't nothing I can say, man. You killed that shit, man. <laughs> and so, like, and that's all, you know, really, man, anybody that do anything, all you ever really want is the respect of your, of your peers. You know, of course, you want the money and the success and all that stuff, too. But first and foremost, you want to be looked at somebody that's formidable in what y'all doing. I want to be looked at as somebody like, okay, that dude right there, he's serious. You know what I'm saying? And so, to get that, I, 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 was, I was like the first comic of the night to really get like a like a, 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 a get the stamp of approval from all four judges. Like all four judges basically said, "Yeah, man, you, you did your thing." You know what I mean? So that was that was a good night. And then you know I performed at on, um, at Caroline's on Broadway in New York one night. Uh, yeah, opening up for uh, Ryan Davis, my man. Shout out to my man um, Ryan Davis. He's gonna be on this uh, this new season of. Uh, Insecure with um um what's my girl name? I went I went uh blank just now, but uh yeah yeah he's gonna be insecure this season, man. But yeah um we when I was touring with him, man, we did. I'm so I, I didn't even realize that Caroline's on Broadway was that big of a deal. I just knew we was doing a show in New York, and I wanted I always wanted to perform in New York. You know, someone told me like you can do comedy and think you're doing comedy but you ain't doing comedy until you're doing comedy in new york and so like i always had that in the back of my mind like yo, soon as i get an opportunity to perform in new york i want to see how i how i stack up you know i want to see if they like me. you know i said they'll feel my stuff up there so you know when he, he got the tour and he asked me to go on some of the dates with him and it was a blessing because i got the you know, go in other parts of the country and, and and see like, okay, these jokes work other places, you know. So New York was no different except for the fact that it's New York, you know. So when I get there, you know, it's sold out. It's a like packed crowd and, you know, everybody, like everybody in my crew that performed that night, like we just all like just laid it out, man, just killed it. I got, I got asked to uh, audition for Def Comedy Jam off of that performance. Cause we all do, we all came with nice. that night, man. But it's all—it's just, you know, those two nights stick out because of the fact that it was those are those were big crowds, and um, they just showed, they showed me a lot of love. We had a good time. Now, now, um, I'm glad you had that experience. I I I, I hope I could perform in New York one day. One thing about one thing I know is about comedians is great comedians like yourself, like Bernie Mac, like all the other greats. At some point, they took their comedy to either the big screen, the small screen, right, or right. the computer screen. Right? It's only a matter of time before I see you on the big screen and the small screen, but you've got yeah. something on the computer screen. Something that something that speaks to that small population that I spoke of earlier where did side dude where did the side dudes uh, oh, joint man. come so from you're talking about 
uh, my actually um, Side Dude Incorporated was my, actually my stage play that we turned into a web series, and we um, you know, we start we started the, we started production on it, and you know, things kind of fell apart. But uh, we're definitely about to get back into the swing of things as soon as we get on the other side of this Corona thing. But basically, man, Side Dude Incorporated just started from just me and the fellas just joking around and just being funny, man. And um, just, you know, talking about, you know, just talking about stupid shit. And one day we was like, yo, what if damn, you know what I'm saying? What if like, you know, like there was a, a service for women that was something, you know, they wanted to, wanted to side do. Like, what, you know, what would that be like? And it just, it just took off from there. And so from there, I just ended up writing the first, you know, the stage play, Side Dude Incorporated. It was about basically my character played Jackson, uh, named Jackson Cash. He, you know, basically run into some hard times and he come up with an idea of him and his friends to start a uh, escort service for rich married women or, you know, married women with a little change. Or, you know, and, and, uh, and then, you know, of course, you know, that, that gets them in some, you know, a little bit of hot water, of course. So it basically is just about the, you know, the funny situations, the humorous situations we get ourselves caught up in, um, you know, as characters. That's where it came from, joking around, man. So, and then it became a concept. And then next thing you know, it was like, okay, let's make this funny. Like, you know, talk about like, real life, you know, situations. If you ever, ever end up, if you ever have auditions again for that, let me know because that sounds like something that'll make you laugh oh, out of your sure. skin. Most definitely, man. And um, I'll definitely let you know when we get ready to have auditions again, man. man. And honestly, man, I, I, I mean, shoot, we could work it out, man. You, man, you probably ain't, you ain't got an audition. I know what you can do. But, yeah. But yeah, man, I think oh, you. you know, we definitely want to get back cracking to keep it going, man, because people keep asking for it, especially part two of the play. So many people keep asking, like, when are we gonna have part two of the play? And then all this stuff right here happened and kind of pushed us back a little bit further um, way. I definitely can't wait to uh to do part two of Side Dude Incorporated, man, so we can, you know, show y'all what happened, you know, with all the characters, man, for part one. Alright, so at this particular moment, we're coming up to we're coming up on three minutes, and you said, and you said that uh, you got that you can only give yeah, thirty I mean, minutes, I got, right? I definitely got to uh, wrap up some other stuff, but I, you know, I can keep it for a little bit longer. A little bit longer. All right, I won't keep you much longer because, for one thing, you gotta tell us about Uncle, Uncle Silky. Silky. What? Because because I know that uh, Welcome Home, Uncle Silky was an original work and among that original work i know it was a collaborative effort that you know i feel like uncle silky was uncle your silky creation right was, a, was my my creation i've been doing uncle silky as a character for like four or five years man probably maybe a little bit longer than that so would you say that uncle silky is to you what Medea yeah, is yeah. to tyler perry like that scene is for creation. All right, so where Uncle Silky came well, really, from? Come Uncle from? Silky is really just like the manifestation of like my of of anybody's ego. Like it's just my ego. You know what I'm saying? That's all it is. It's like a 
It's just, I created a character that's just my ego. And like in in life, we're taught to be, you know, modest. And so Uncle Silky is like the opposite of that. You know what I'm saying? He's like the opposite of modest. He's like the he's like the way you feel when you really feel stuff. And so before I really started doing comedy, I was like, I grew up singing and things like I grew up singing in the choir and stuff like that. You know, my parents were ministers growing up. Um, so I've always had a love. My music always been my first love. So I was like, how can I how can I do music? But how can I like incorporate it with the comedy too? And so that's how like I was like, I gotta create a character. And so Uncle Suki was like the character because he liked the cat. That everybody know a cat like Uncle Silk. Like, oh, it's the old, it's the old, you know, the old head, you know what I'm saying? It just, oh, it just think you know everything, you know? Everybody yeah, knows yeah. So I know a player knows. To bring that character to life because it was just a mixture of all the, you know, old heads that I I, I, I I grew up around, you know? And a lot, and it's, and it's some good and some bad, you know? You know, now I will now I will tell you this: if you ever if you ever felt like making some overtures toward the music game, comedians doing music that's the thing. You know, Jamie Foxx, Lil Duvall. So we just wait. Uh, you you you, you might mess around having been waiting for that Amps and Hughes album. Duvall doing, you know, and I definitely can sing better than Duvall. <laughs> Yeah, like, 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 yo, when Smile came out, I was like, okay, he no, just, you know, he's just playing around with it, right? Nice, nice but then, on the logo, so what? Got a nice, he got a nice, like, he's like one of them old school, old school player voices. Like, you know what I'm saying? Nigga sound like he could. Oh, yeah, when he dropped Pull Up, when he dropped yeah. Pull Up, you know, Ty Dollar Sign was only on the hook. When he dropped pull up, I was like, oh dang, the ball ain't playing. Well, good for them, but I'm ready to hear what I'm ready to hear what Amps to do. It's good to have multiple strains of income, what they say. It is, it is, it is. Now, 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 um I got to get the Ampston. In full comedic mode, I gotta get the Amps and Hughes commentary on this current coronavirus. What is your what is your unapologetic view on this whole corona pandemic that is taking place and that has completely turned everybody's uh everybody's lifestyle uh, it's crazy, sideways? Bro. Like it's it escalated fast. I think one day when we look back on this time frame, we're gonna be like, damn, it escalated fast. One moment, it was like we was talking about something that was happening over in China. Then the next thing you know, the NBA season was over and then it was like, oh, this getting canceled. And no, we gotta cancel this and then we gotta cancel this. And then it was like, oh, people dying. Like, oh, people dying, dying. And now it's just like, I think, I think, man, most people we in a place now where we just accept like we gotta have, we're gonna have a new normal, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be different going forward. Um, but 
I mean, I, I think we'll be all right, though, man. It's just, you know, just some things we got to, we got to, something we got to go through. And we'll, you know, we'll be all right on the other side of it. I know it will. I know it will. But uh, I know it will. But if I was to, like, talk with someone who's heavy into politics and stuff, they would probably, like, really, really go in on Trump and all the crazy stuff he's been saying. Like, a lot of times, like, bro, like, on my page, I don't even try to talk about politics as much as I used to. I used to talk about politics all the time. But I think I've come to the realization that I'm not one of those comedians that can make politics funny. I think I get too, I get too uh, serious when I be talking about politics and it stop being funny to me. But, like, I, so I try not to crack on Sean too much, but he make it so easy, man. Like, how do I not? Not, bro, like, bro, no, no. bro, I'm like Trump, funny as hell, man. Like people don't, I don't, I don't have to like him. I don't have to, yeah. do, but he is great television, bro. I have never, hey, hey bro, hey, I ain't never watched no damn, I ain't never watched no damn news briefers as much as I watch it, bro. I, bro, you think I be missing these damn coronavirus briefers, bro. I be good, bro. I be going on lunch break when I'm on when I work. If I'm working. And the briefer come on, I go on break. I may need a sandwich. I come sit my ass down and I get ready to watch this president because he is freaking hilarious. Yo, ain't no like, like, what other president do you know? Just, you know, go way back. You know, first president I remember from my lifetime was Clinton, though I was born when Reagan was president, 85. No president talked out there behind you know, more than Trump. Though, Just homeboy, man, Trump crazy. Homeboy, Steve Ricardo, man. Steve Ricardo Bridge said but, this, man. He said, you know, we used to always say, man, I wish we had a president that would talk shit to the reporters, man. Or, or, the reporters be talking shit. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, damn, they be talking shit. And so, um, you know, wrong, we man. always used to say we want a president to be like that. Obama couldn't be like that, bro. He could, if he wanted to be like that, he couldn't have been like that because they'd have been like, oh, see, black dude, just he, he mad all the time. He be, you know what I'm saying, snapping at reporters and stuff. But Trump really do it. And he like, <laughs> he really do it, bro. And like, this is the crazy part. He snap on reporters. See, this is the reason, see, I used to always be like, I wouldn't mind seeing Obama snap on Fox News reporters because they be, they be asking them questions about stupid shit. Like, remember that time they got mad at Obama because he had on a tan suit? You know what I'm saying? Like, they was mad at this nigga about that shit. Like, yeah, I remember that. That's when no president would do such a Like, oh, they was mad at this nigga, right? And, but, like, but, like, with Trump, right? it's like, he get mad at reporters for asking real regular questions. Just questions that people just want to know. Like, man, you know, you know, can we get some more testing? If we're gonna open everything up, can we get more testing so that people don't, you know, so that if you know that people can get access to the test to make sure that they good. And Charles response yeah, to that is uh everybody eat disinfectants. Your fake news. Everyone knows it. Your fake news. <laughs> Your fake news. I've seen the stuff that you guys write. It's not real. It's horrible. And 
dude, man. That's a great invitation, man. Hey, ADQ, I ain't never seen nobody lie as well as Trump. Trump looked dead at the camera. He would lie, bro. And, and it, it don't phase him. Like, I remember when Trump, I remember when Bill Clinton was going through the thing with, like, Michael Lewinsky, right? Bro, it hurt him. It's waiting when you lie. That nigga, it was hurt that when we finally found out that he was lying. And we went back and watched the tape when he lied to us. When that motherfucker looked at us, he said, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. We looked, bruh, when we looked back at the tape, we was like, look how he was in his hands. That nigga hurt. We knew he was lying. He knew he was lying. Trump don't feel that, though. Trump don't feel none of that shit. Trump look you dead in the eye, shoot you a lot. And keep it moving. And get mad when you question. Oh yeah, like uh like Mr. President, can you prove that no, your fake news, your horrible, don't ever come to the White House again? Run the tape back from yesterday, what you said, Mr. President. Then they run the tape back and Trump be like, I didn't I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Run the tape back. Run the tape back. You're fake. I didn't say that. Dang, man. Fake news. Next question. <laughs> That's gangsters hell. I agree. I mean, yo, I never, I've never yeah. known a president to talk as much junk as he does. Like, <laughs> Mini Mike, Sleepy Joe, and yo, every time, every time, I'm not going to talk too much about politics, but I will say, every time I have addressed a political, a Democratic candidate by one of Trump's nicknames, yo, my white liberal friends will get so mad. You know what's I'm funny? Like, yo, though. it's just a like, nickname, man. Get over. I like. I wish Biden. I wish Trump and Biden could rap. Like they, like they, like in the winner of the election, it's whoever wins the battle rap. We need to try something different, man. This vote shit ain't working. That that would be dope. That would be dope. Uh, they battle rap. They battle rap. Both of them probably have. Both of them probably have a stroke yeah, uh, in the middle of battling because they both old. Who? Why not, man? Go I say Eric B for president. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so y'all tell me this, tell me this, tell me this. Um, who are you? You gotta tell me who are you? <laughs> you gotta tell me who are your influences? Is I, I Dio Hughley's at least not one of them because he could go in on politics all day, but. But um, who are like who are like some of the comedians who influence you? My all-time favorite comedian of all time is Bernie Mac, because I I I, I just get disgusted with the time, with the generation that we're in today, where you know you have to apologize yeah. for everything you say, right? Bernie Mac will come in. He would call out everybody. You think Dave Chappelle called out everybody? Bernie Mac would just hurt. Would hurt your feelings. Um, I just love how raw and unapologetic Bernie Mac was. Everybody loved Richard Pryor. He's he's like the Godfather. But who? Well, uh, 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 who's I mean, your influence? Eighty-one. Shit. Uh, 
So, I mean, growing up in that like that late '80s, early '90s, um, first and foremost is Eddie. You know what I'm saying? Eddie's definitely Eddie's Eddie's number my number oh, yeah. one influence um, because Eddie was the first comedian I saw doing it on a major level like like uh, going to movie theaters to see this nigga's movies like that like people don't realize like he was the only black man doing that <laughs> he was the only only one doing that in that time you know what i'm saying in the way he was doing it. of course bill cosby before him was had crossed over and he was doing those type of numbers too but bill cosby was a clean guy he was a family guy family comedy and like Eddie was the first comedian I saw that just was young, black, and just said whatever the hell he wanted to say. And so Eddie was number one. And of course, you got to talk about prior. Um, I never, I never stuck to just black comics though. I was like Andrew Dice Clay is one of my biggest influences. Like. Clay, I mean, Clay said what he wanted to say, man. He just, he, I mean, whether you liked it or not, man, and he was a character, bro. He came out on stage like, yo, man, let me tell you motherfucker something, you know what I mean? And he'd be like, yo, this dude is fucking crazy, man. Uh, George Carlin. George Carlin, like, like, for him to say a lot of the things he said in the 70s, man, like, for him to be that open and that honest about his views on government his views on religion and things of that nature in the 70s man like like the balls it must have taken to say that on stage man so like these dudes all casted like like inspired me and influenced me like to just be like nah say what you want to say don't give don't don't cut no corners you know say exactly what you want to say bernie mac first time i seen bernie mac on def comedy jam was probably the single time that was probably the single most influential performance that I've ever seen as far as inspiring me to be a comedian the yeah I'm not, I'm not scared I ain't scared you motherfuckers comedy is a battle with within your own self because it's a part of you telling you like this shit's crazy bro you're not funny enough like you're not funny enough like don't go out there it's like that voice in your head like don't do this bro like you're not that funny bro but then like it's the other voice in your head it's like nah i ain't scared of these motherfuckers man i'm gonna come out here and i'm gonna talk my shit i'm gonna tell my jokes and they gonna like it because that's what the hell i do and i'm gonna make them like it. and that's how bernie approached it and that's that's how that's what made people love bernie because he approached us like he was one of us. Like, y'all can't like shit. What y'all gonna do? Boo me? Shit. I'm the type of nigga that boo people. What you gonna do? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just like y'all. You know what I'm saying? Y'all can't scare me. You can't scare You can't scare me doing something that I do. Shit, I'm from the hood too. What y'all what? What y'all gonna do? You know? Dang. You're right, man. You're right. You're right. And I just love how just confrontational Bernie was, man. It was incredible. Uh so yo, like I said, um, I know you uh I know you got other stuff to do, man. Busy man, I know you are. So uh we're gonna bring it, we're gonna start to uh close this up a little bit. So what does the future look like for you? 
I know we got this corona crap going on, but on the other side of it, what's the future look, look what's the future looking like? Been focusing on just touching as many different cities as possible with my stand-up man, trying to hit as many different states as possible. We just hit DC. I just went to DC for a couple of days out and, um, in January before all this crazy started. I had some dates in New York. I had some dates in Baltimore and um, some festivals I was gonna do this year too, man. So hopefully the festivals that's going that we're planning for later on this year, hopefully they'll still be um, you know still be scheduled to go on as planned. Cause I definitely want to, you know, touch as many people as possible, man. With, you know, with merchandise, just get my brand out there, man, and just let people know what I do, and also just letting them know about Side Dudes Incorporated, man, and side, you know, the stage play, the web series. Um, so that's just number one, getting back, getting back to that, you know, getting back to um, putting out as much content as possible. Um, I have a podcast that I'm also working on too, man. So just a lot of different ideas, man. There's a lot of different ideas, man. Just gonna try to keep coming. That's basically the name of the game, man. When you are in this industry, man, and when you are a creative, you just can't sit still. You just gotta keep stuff coming. Oh yeah, man. I mean, so number one, let me tell you what I've been doing during this pandemic. Number one, uh, I've been, uh, I got a super script. Uh, I got the. This play that I wrote, Battle of the Books, is about to be read, read in this thing called Sippin' Script. Number two, I'm gonna write in a short, I've been, I, I started writing like three plays, right? Three, three of them things. I had to sit still. And I started a podcast. I started back freestyling. So yeah, now's a great time to be uh, creative. And did you say, and hold on, hold on, the whole oh, world yeah, didn't know. Yeah, me and my wife you said you were going to start a podcast, podcast yourself? Beautiful man, beautiful. So we are going to touch. We are going to touch and believe that all of those shows, all those festivals, if they don't happen for whatever reason, you will get bigger and you will get bigger and better. Either either on the other side of this Corona or in twenty twenty one. That and that and there will be a that and ADQ will be inside Dudes Incorporated. (laughs) So if people want to book you, tell you how funny you are, tell you about their own side dude story, or um, or or cast you in the play, or. Nia's Uncle Silky's advice oh, man, about oh, life. Man, How can people get in touch with you? Instagram, Ashton Hughes. Just straight up, A-M-P-S-T-O-N-H-E-W-S. All right, cool, cool, cool. And if you have, and anybody want to hit me up, um, you can email me, ADQ, Apple, Dog Queen, or the number four, Christ, at gmail.com. ADQ for Christ at gmail.com. My entire government name on Facebook, Adrian Dion Quarles, A D R I A N D I O N Q U A R L E S. Twitter, my name is Avenue ADQ underscore 85. And Instagram, um, my name is Dion Chocolate God. Amson, thank you, sir, so much for your time. Thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. And I got to tell you this, sir. 
you and your laughter and all that you have to give to the world it makes you a very 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 valuable needed and necessary member of the renaissance sir no doubt yes sir